Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mekaitis. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us here for episode 235 with David Mead. I think you'll really enjoy this episode because if you've ever heard of Simon Sinek or his famous Start With Why TED Talk, David co-wrote the book with him about how you go about finding that why. So you'll learn, one, the benefits of starting with why, two, examples of effective and ineffective whys, and three, the process to find your why. So if you'd like to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items referenced, you can find that on over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep235. Now, here is David's story. David is committed to a world in which the vast majority of people wake up inspired to go to work, feel safe while they're there, and go home at the end of the day fulfilled by the work they do. David co-authored Find Your Why with Simon Sinek. The book provides a step-by-step practical guide on how to discover the why for any individual, team, or organization. Dave has presented these simple, inspiring ideas on five continents to over 150 organizations in a wide range of industries. Here's David. David, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Well, I think we're going to have such a fun chat because uh, I'm really into what it is you do. But in doing a little bit of digging in your background, I saw that you were once an Apple Store associate. Any fun tales from that time? And are you getting the iPhone 10? <laughs> the thing that sticks out in my memory about that is I, uh, I don't know what I was thinking, but I showed up to my interview. It was a group interview and I showed up in a shirt and tie and they literally laughed at me. <laughs> and so I learned very quickly that we we're going to be a little bit more casual there, which worked out great, but I loved it. Loved working there. To answer the other question, absolutely. Yes. Funny story about that. I woke up like 15 minutes before midnight on November 2nd, I think, or November 3rd when it was released. And I was like, ah, I'll go back to sleep. It'll be fine. I'll be able to order it when I wake up next time because I'm 40 and now I wake up multiple Mm -hmm. times, you know, at at night. And so (laughs) I I happened to wake up at like 1245 and I got on and I completed my purchase and they said, your delivery date is December 5th to to the 15th. And I was like, what? Are you kidding me? This is supposed to come out like next Friday. And so on the actual release date, when it was going to be available in stores, I didn't want to wait that long. So I was planning to wake up at like four o'clock in the morning and go stand in line like an idiot at the Apple store so that I could get it before December. And so I woke up and I checked my email and I happened to have an email from Apple saying that my delivery date had been moved up to November 13th. There you go. Uh, so I was like, oh, I can wait for 10 days. So, but absolutely, yes, I am getting the iPhone X. <laughs> so we are recording this just before that it's entered your hands. And how are you feeling? <laughs> I'm feeling anxious and I have a great deal of anticipation. I can't wait for next Monday. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think I also have one coming my way and I'm excited partially just because I've been on the six and I feel like such a whiny, entitled, <laughs> you know, <laughs> impatient. I guess I'm just barely a millennial at 34. I think I'm th- <laughs> on the threshold there. Yeah. And I guess I've been on the iPhone six for a while and it seems like maybe there's something wrong with it, but Sometimes I'll like push the camera and I have to wait four seconds for that Uh, camera. And I can't live like this, David. I can't live (laughs) like this. So I needed an upgrade and the 10 was there. So I said, we'll take it. Plus the dual camera, I'll be shooting some important business videos with that. So it's necessary. It's a write-off, of course. (laughs) It is essential that I have this outrageously (laughs) expensive toy for my business. 
Indeed. Cool. Well, so anyway, I want to talk. So you're in uh, Simon Sinek's organization. And so you co-authored with him uh, the book, Find Your Why, which is great. And so if anyone hasn't already seen Simon's famous, infamous TED Talk about uh, finding your why, it's well worth it. And we'll we'll link to it in the show notes. But uh, for those who aren't going to do that, could you give us the real quick summary on uh, kind of what's the primary uh, concept uh, that you're working with here? Sure. So the concept of start with why is very simple. It basically outlines that every organization and even our own careers operate on three levels, which is what we do, how we do it, and why we do it. And everybody knows what they do. This is the product you sell, the service you offer, the title that you hold. Some people know how they do what they do, which means how are you different or special? How do you set yourself apart? What are sort of the guiding principles or how you run your business that's different than everybody else? But very few organizations and very few individuals understand and more importantly can clearly articulate why they do what they do. And by why, we don't mean to make more money or to increase market share or sell more stuff. By why, we mean what's your purpose, what's your cause, what's your belief, what's the human reason that you do the work that you do? Really, why does your organization exist and do the things that it does? And so the premise here is that most individuals, most organizations start with what? They tell you what they do. They might tell you how they're different or special or better, and that's usually where it stops. But the most inspired organizations, the most inspiring leaders, those that we look up to, those that have more loyalty, those that are more profitable over time, those that have great cultures, they all do it backwards. They think, act, and communicate starting with why first. They tell you why they exist. They tell you the vision of the world that they have. They tell you the human reason that they're doing the work that they're doing. And as human beings, we naturally respond to that feeling. We are more loyal. We are drawn to these organizations or these people who have common values and beliefs to us. And so it's not that we're necessarily drawn to everybody or every organization that articulates why they do what they do. We're drawn to the ones that share common values and beliefs with us. And so that's really the key. That's where loyalty and trust and relationship comes in. And the opportunity that we have is to shift our thinking, shift our communication, and shift our cultures to be more why-based. And as a result, see more success financially see more loyalty and more growth rather than having those things be the goal, which is really not that inspiring to anybody. Okay. Thank you. So now could you maybe give us a couple examples of a why that you're not talking about profit, uh, shareholder value, market share from an organization perspective, nor are you talking about just making a ton of cash money as an individual's perspective. So could you maybe give us a couple example articulations of, oh, here's what I mean by a why. Sure. So first of all, before I give you those, just to the point you made, there's nothing wrong with all those things. There's nothing wrong with growth or nothing wrong with making a ton of money. I think the challenge comes in or the danger comes in when we place an unbalanced amount of focus on those things, because ultimately that's not what drives fulfillment and meaning, which is what we as human beings ultimately seek. So I'll give you an example of an organization's why, and then I'll give you an example of an individual's why. I'll use my own. So An example that we like to use a lot is Lego, because everybody knows Lego, right? They're a pretty popular brand, and they happen to be the most profitable, excuse me, toy company on the planet. And I don't think that's an accident. I think it's because they have learned to be very clear about why they do what they do. They weren't always that clear historically. And it's funny, as they've sort of, if you follow their history, as they have been more aligned with why they do what they do, they've done better. And as they've worried more about, let's just beat the competition. Let's come out with all these different products because our competitors are doing the same thing. When they compete on what and how, their profitability goes down, loyalty goes down. So it's really interesting to see what has happened just with Lego. But Lego's why essentially is 
everything they do is to inspire and develop the builders of tomorrow. All right. So in their why, and this is true for any individual or any organization, we have no idea what the product or service is. For an individual, we should not know what you do for a living by your why. Essentially, we don't want any what's in the why. Those have their place, but they're just not supposed to be in the why. So that's an example of an organization's why. I'll give you another one just for a little added flavor here. I'll give you the, the why of our organization at Start With Why. And everything that we do is to inspire people to do the things that inspire them so that together we can change our world. All right. On an individual example, again, I'll use my own, my why, the way that I articulate it is to propel people forward so that they can make their mark on the world. So what that means for me is every day, no matter what situation I show up, whether it's at work or at home or with my friends or in the community, at church, wherever I am, if I can just help propel people forward, help them take that one extra step forward so that they can be a little better than they were the day before, so they can go on to do the amazing things they're meant to do in the world. That's what really fills me up and inspires me. All right. And so then you laid out some of the benefits in terms of zeroing in on your why. It's so meta. Why does the why matter? So in terms of inspired organizations, leaders, and then it also just tends to lead to the great sort of, I guess, immediate financial or or more short-term type results like profits and whatnot in the case of Lego there. So I guess I'm intrigued then. Now, the book is called Finding Your Why. How does one arrive at that why statement? Could you sort of walk us through a bit of the process? And maybe even before we do that, say, how do you know it when you've hit it? It's like, that's it versus that's not it. That's a great question. The why is a feeling. It is a belief. It is something that is born from inside of us. I'll explain that a little bit more when I explain the process. But to your question of how do you know that that's it, essentially, it feels right. And so you come up with this why statement. And even though the words might not be perfect at first, because we're kind of dealing with sort of an imperfect medium of language to describe a feeling that we have or a a belief or a driving force in our lives, and language is a tough thing to use to describe that feeling. But essentially, when you look at that why statement, it should feel like, yeah, that's me. And what we find is a lot of times when we help individuals specifically find their own why, it's not like it's this huge revelation where they've got fireworks going off and it's this whole like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I've never even thought that this was it. It's more of a, oh yeah, like that's me. It's now just put into words, right? And it shouldn't be a huge surprise for an organization or for an individual because a why is not something aspirational. It's not something that we hope to become someday. It's born from who we are. And so when we help individuals or organizations discover their why, it's really a discovery process of looking to their past and pinpointing specific experiences, stories, events that have been particularly significant, that have really stuck out in their minds for all the right reasons, right? This is a time where we've been proud to work for this organization, or this is an experience that I had that really helped me, that made me feel like I was doing something meaningful, and it really filled me up, was really fulfilling for me. And so, again, in in both cases, organizationally or individually, it's through storytelling of these specific times When we have felt at our best, when we felt like we've been doing the things that we're meant to do or that we've been acting in ways that really represent who we are at our natural best. And then we look for the patterns or the themes, the things that keep coming up over and over and over again in each of those stories. And that sort of begins to put together what we call the golden thread, the thing, the commonality, the thing that ties all of those stories together. And essentially what we're looking for is in each of these stories, what is the overall contribution? What is it that we give? 
What is the piece of ourselves or the, the piece of our organization that we contribute to the world? And as a result of that contribution, what's the impact? What happens when we show up and we make that contribution? And so you'll notice, just comparing back to my own why statement, to propel people forward is my contribution. That's what I can show up and have control over so that people can make their mark on the world. That's the impact. And so when I show up and I make that contribution of propelling people forward, of helping them with the knowledge that I have or the experience that I've gained, or I can help coach them through something so they can be a little better than they were yesterday, the impact of that is that they can then go on with that knowledge or that experience or that encouragement or inspiration for me, hopefully, and make their mark on the world. That's the impact of the wife. Okay, that's cool. And so I guess I'm curious then in terms of if it's down there, it's just a matter of sort of discovering it as opposed to inventing it. I know that's a turn of phrase you use, which I think is well a nice distinction there. So it's a, if it's down there and you're discovering it, kind of once you have it articulated, what changes or transforms for people or organizations? It's like, ah, oh, yeah, that's it. Now we are consciously aware that that is the articulation sort of how is life or organizations uh, different afterwards? Sure. So I think a big part of a why discovery is obviously first articulating it and figuring out what it is. And that is just the first step. A couple of follow-on things to that that can really help you to bring that why to life or to sort of make it actionable within the organization or uh, on an individual basis as well is to articulate your hows. And during the process of the why discovery, there's a lot of output. There's a lot of themes and patterns and words and phrases and things that are really meaningful and important that pop out. And a couple of those ideas, the ones that are sort of the overarching, you know, seem to be the biggest things, the ones that we love the most or the things that really resonate with us the most and seem to sort of encapsulate everything else are what ends up in the why statement. The rest of those themes don't go away. Those become really candidates for our hows, which are more the sort of day-to-day behaviors and actions and guiding principles that direct our behavior every day, that when we live in those ways, when we operate in those ways, either individually or as an organization, that's what allows us to bring that why, that contribution and impact to life. And so I think for a person or an organization who is really interested in applying this and making it actionable, it's really important to articulate those hows as well. And so every decision that you make, every strategy that you plan, every partner that you partner with, every person that you hire, every job that you look at taking is going to then flow through the filter of your why and your hows. If I move forward with this opportunity, is it going to allow me to live my why? Am I going to be able to behave according to my guiding principles? And I'll give you just a sort of an example. Like if one of my hows were to do it together, I need to have a team around me. And a company calls me up and they say, David, we'd love to have you put together a training curriculum throughout the next 12 months, series of four workshops, where you're going to put all of our middle managers through this leadership training. We're going to lock you up in a room for six weeks. And at the end of it, I want you to come out with uh, a perfectly articulated plan of how this is going to happen. I know right then because one of my how, and I'm postulating here, this is not one of my hows, but I'm just, just as an example, one of my houses do it together, which means I need to have a team around me. I can't work well alone. I know that that opportunity is going to turn out badly for me. And so I can use that as a filter that I know that if this seems like a great opportunity and this organization seems like one that we share common values and beliefs, they're going in the right direction, I believe in what they're doing, I might just simply say, you know what, I work much better when I have a team of people to bounce some ideas off of or or gain some other insight from. Are there a couple of other people that I could have access to that could help me understand the inner workings of the organization and who these middle managers are and what they need and all of this kind of stuff? 
if I can have those people around me and I can do it together, then we're going to end up with a much better result at the end than if I have to do it on my own. Okay. I'm with you there. And so, so that's great. Having gone through that process, you've zeroed in on it. And so, and I'm thinking as you engage in these questions, you're zeroing in on experiences that you're proud of and that are meaningful to you, as opposed to, is this fair to say, just experiences that you thought were just a ton of fun? Like that was really cool. You're saying like, what kind of like emotion feeling are we targeting when we look at these experiences? When you say meaningful, does it also like just really fun or kind of what's in scope and out of scope for why leading experience reflecting? That's a great question. And I would say no story is a wrong story necessarily, but like the sort of the fine point that you put on this, which is we're looking for events and stories and experience that have some sort of lasting significance. And so it's not like, oh my gosh, I rode the biggest roller coaster on the world and it was a total rush. That was so much fun. Like, that's great, but it didn't really mean anything. So we're looking for things that experiences where you have learned something that was really valuable to you in your life. And these don't have to be huge monumental things like you won first prize in the whatever. They can be the tiniest little thing like you stopped by the side of the road and helped an older guy change a flat tire and you had a bonding moment with that person. Like it can be seemingly really insignificant things, but as long as you took something away from it and you learned something or it impacted you in some way, helped you see the world in a different way or sort of helped you consider your role in life in a little different way, something that just sort of you've kept with you and taken something from or learned something from. Does that make sense? Okay, I'm with you. And I think maybe to make it come to life all the more, I'd love it if we could spend, oh, three, four, five minutes of you just doing what you do in terms of, of if we are kind of dialogue partners and you're helping me get to my why, what would you ask me? And maybe just do that live real time. I'll give you some responses and you'll do some follow-ups and we'll kind of get a flavor for how this unfolds. Sure. So, I mean, in three, four or five minutes, we're not going to get to your why, but I'll, I'll give you an, an essence of kind of what the process looks like. So I would just ask you to, to start out by telling me an experience in your life that has been significant or meaningful to you. Okay, sure thing. I will say coordinating the the speed dating event at church, just because I got an email about that this morning. And it reminded me, I was like, oh yeah, that was pretty awesome. Cool. All right. Tell me more about that. Well, it was, it was really cool. We had 152 people each year that it goes down. And I've met some cool folks of myself in terms of, of friends and girlfriends, you know, at the event myself. And there've been a number of people who've gotten married as a result of having met each other there. And it was just really cool to just see an event come together and go live as well as just like the beautiful clockwork of blow the whistle and everyone rotates in just like an elegant system. Interesting imagery of beautiful clockwork. And I'm curious, I mean, it seems like that's part of the story that you really love. Talk more about that. What's so amazing or so beautiful about that for you? Well, you just put so much time and effort into the thing and then it's alive, you know, and then it's a little bit chaotic. Like, what's going on? Where am I going? Is this the right table? Where direction am I going? And then it's just a uh, cool efficiency in terms of, okay, three minutes, the whistle blows and everyone moves in the direction, coordination. And it's like in that moment, it's like, all right, you know, 76 pairs of people are getting acquainted all at once. And then it happens repeatedly again and then again. And it's, it's just really cool to watch as it unfolds. Is this the first, this one that you're talking about, is this the first event like this that you've put on? 
No, I, I've put on a number of like leadership conferences and retreats. And so uh, there've been several events. Okay. So I'm interested because you could have told me about any one of those, but you chose this particular speed dating event. Tell me what it is about this particular event that really sticks out in your mind. If you had to pick one thing. I think it's that there's just so many people I care about in one place at one time, whether they're volunteers or buddies looking for romance. It's, it's like, hey, I know you people and, and good luck. And it, it's fun creating this with you. Use the word create. What do you feel like you're creating? Well, I would say it's an experience. It's uh, some moments that are just a, a ton of fun in terms of whether folks find their spouse or not. It's like, that was great. I got plugged into meeting a lot of really great people that all likely remain in touch with. And we're just having just kind of like a magical few hours in terms of people and food and beverage and, and enjoyment. And again, curious on that, the word magical, if you had to describe what is magical about that? It's exhilarating and fun in a way that it is, it's stimulating on numerous human dimensions at once, you know, I guess emotionally, intellectually, relationally, food and beverage in the belly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's <laughs> enjoyable on multiple sides of the, your human experience all at the same time. Sure. And if you had to sort of zero in on what's the part that you feel like you played, what was the thing that you gave of yourself? What did you contribute in that? I thought I brought like a coordinating mastermind type element. It's like, these are is how all the pieces of the system and processes are going to work from the sign up to the table placement, to the software that then does the matching and the email notifications. It was fun to kind of tie all of these things together in a cool combination that worked. And because of this contribution that you made, this coordinating, this arranging, this orchestrating that you took care of, what was the result of that? What do you think you made possible for people? Well, I think that well, for some people, it is their spouse. You know, it's the person they're married to right now and their whole family life. So that's just so exciting. Like, there you are. For others, it was kind of an introduction into a cool community. It's like, oh, I like these guys. These will be my friends now. And so what kind of the main place they, they find fellowship, camaraderie, good times. And then just maybe even on, on a small scale, I just folks in all the feedback forums saying, this was a fantastic night. Thank you. Yeah. And you said that you just received an email. Was it this morning about this event? That's right. They said, oh, hey, Pete, you know, we're putting this together. We need, so I'm not as directly involved now. It's like, we need all of your quick tips and tricks and documents. <laughs> Hook it up. Yeah. And I mean, do you see the result of these people who some of them have gotten married, others maybe not, but you said that you keep in touch with all these people or with a lot of these people. Do you have any, are there any specific people that stick out from this one event that the impact of what happened for them, whether it were marriage or something else, really just inspires you or, or really fulfills you? And you thought, man, if for nothing else, that was worth it. Well, yeah, I, I'm thinking about Megan, you know, my friend who did meet her spouse there. And I think I just remember how we were talking and, and it seemed like for no good reason, she's a great gal. <laughs> you know, she seems like she's having some trouble meeting a good dude. And at the same time, the event sort of fills out so quickly for women, more so than men. That's a whole nother conversation. And so it was cool that it was through a volunteer capacity where one was bartending, the other was participating, that they got to make a connection there. So I just thought that was pretty cool that here's someone I know. And then there's value kind of flowing, not just if you're a participant, but also as a volunteer, it's like you're a part of what it can be. That's great. 
So just pausing for a minute, I think at this point, I've taken down just a bunch of notes on a little sticky pad. But if we were continuing this process, we would go on to another story and I would just say, hey, Pete, go ahead and tell me another time in your life when you have felt fulfilled or when you've done something that was really significant or meaningful for you. And what I would watch for is any of the same type of themes or words or ideas or phrases that would have come up in this first story. So if you're curious, I'm happy to share some of the things that I jotted down. Oh, sure. Thanks. So I wrote things, you know, in the process, when we talk about how to take somebody through it, when you hear these stories, there are two components of the story. There's sort of the logistics of it, like what happened, when it was, how many people were there, all that kind of stuff. And then we separate those from the feelings, the emotions, the meaning behind the story. And so keeping those sort of separated out helps us as we're filtering through three, four, five, six different stories that somebody might tell. We can go back and we have one section that's just for the meanings and the emotions. And so we don't have to filter through and and look through all the logistical stuff at the same time. So I separated those things out a little bit. I'll focus more on the meaning and the significance part. But some of the things that I jotted down were creating a moment. And I love that which is what you said, this idea of bringing people together, of connection, relationship, coordinating, arranging, orchestrating, giving people a sense of belonging, fellowship. And so again, just a a couple of those things that I would want to watch for as the next few stories unfold, because the idea is that your why is who you are at your best, no matter where you are. And so you should be able to live your why at church, at work, at home, with your friends. It's all the same. And so this is why we want stories and experiences from every different part of your life, because all those things tie together, because it doesn't matter where you are, because we are who we are, wherever we are. Right on. Well, thank you. Well, yeah, that's fun. Cool. And so then, so you've got, there's a course on startwithwhy.com. Yep. That's right. And so how does that go down? So if you go to startwithwhy.com, there's an online course, which is in the very final stages of being revamped. And so basically, Peter and I, who co-authored Find Your Why with Simon, basically guide you through with videos and online exercises to take you through this process of discovering your personal why. So the online course is right now mainly designed for individuals, also entrepreneurs, solopreneurs as well, not so much yet designed for businesses. That's where Find Your Why, the book, comes in. And we have at least half of that book dedicated to teams and organizations to discover their why. Okay. And so then it sounds like you're going to want to have a partner engaged in the why discovery course in order to really make it pop. Absolutely. We've had a lot of people in the past try to do it themselves and they think, "Ah, I got this, I can figure it out. But it's sort of like, I mean, this is why we have to go to therapy, right? We cannot analyze ourselves. And so it's really, really difficult. I would say impossible for an individual to identify their own themes and patterns. And it's very important to have that third party sort of outside perspective. And one of the kind of fun things that I do when I do an individual wide discovery with somebody is before I sort of repeat back to them after they're done telling me all their stories, before I repeat back to them any of the themes or the patterns that I've noticed, I ask them, especially if there's some that are really, really strong. I say, do you see any of the patterns that keep coming up over and over in these stories? And usually they say, uh, no, not, I mean, not really. They all seem pretty disparate and separate to me. And then I lay out what their themes are and I point back to each story that those came from. And they're like, oh my gosh, you're right. Like I never would have seen that myself. And so having a partner or in an organization's case, having a facilitator, preferably from the outside, if you can do it, uh, who does not have that, the biases and the sort of preconceived notions and the things that make us subjective versus objective is really, really important. Okay. That's good. Well, so then thanks for making that all the more real now. 
And so I want to get your take then. So the show's for professionals and we got folks in different workplaces. So how does one individual's why kind of interplay or map to the workplace or the team or the company in terms of like, how do those jive together? Maybe sometimes they don't. Like, how do we think about those interplaying? Yeah. So the idea is that our individual why will align with and contribute to the why of the organization that we work for. Now, most organizations don't have a clearly articulated why, and so that becomes a little tough. However, a lot of us work in places that we love our jobs, we love to go to work, it's a great culture, feels great, we love the people that we work with, we enjoy our jobs. And so the culture and the feeling is there, even though the words aren't necessarily clearly articulated and put on the wall in the form of a why. So as long as we are in an environment where we feel comfortable, where we feel like we're doing meaningful work, our own individual why can still play into that. Because if you think about it, really, anybody's why is about the the contribution and the impact that we make on the lives of people. And so we have the opportunity to show up and be that person for our colleagues, for our team members, for our customers, uh, for our partners, for our vendors. And so there's nothing really keeping us from living our own personal why, even if the organization doesn't have a clearly articulated one. Where the beauty is and where really the inspiration and fulfillment comes in is when our organizations do have a clearly articulated why, then we can see how our own why really feeds in and contributes directly to that bigger picture of the organization. And that just gives us that extra drive to get to work and to help this organization achieve this great vision. Okay. Uh, I like that. Well, now I'm, I'm kind of going back and forth in terms of they all have the common ingredients of uh, overall contribution so that an impact is created. So then I guess I'm wondering just how diverse or varied can why statements be? Could you maybe give us, I don't know, three more quick individual examples so I could see, oh, I see how they're the same and yet different. Sure. So let me see if I can pull out a couple of, are you talking about individual or organizational examples? Let's go individuals. Yeah. Okay. So I'll give you a couple of the why statements of a couple of people on our team. One is to support and encourage others so that they can revel in who they are. And that one's really around just helping people find the beauty in themselves and reveling in that. So that's one. Another one is to help people connect in meaningful ways so that we can live in a more fulfilled world. And so you'll notice that, I mean, the pattern that the commonality among everybody's why is that it is in some way in service to somebody else. It's our way of helping other people. And, you know, you talk to to so many people and they say, oh, I just, I feel so good when I help other people. My why is to help others. You're right, it is. But the power of going through an exercise like this is that we can get into a more detailed articulation of what your version of help means, right? So when I help somebody, I'm going to, might do it in a little different way than you do it. Our whys will be slightly different, even though ultimately they're both about helping other people, but it's just the way that we articulate them that can make them really authentic and feel genuine to us. That's good. Thank you. Well, David, tell me, is there anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things? Again, if anybody's interested in learning more about this, startwithwhy.com is a great place to go. We've got links to Simon's TED Talk if you haven't seen it, uh, a lot of other free resources, and you can Google Simon Sinek, you'll find endless pages of videos and talks and that kind of stuff, which is all great. Oh, cool. Thank you. Well, now could you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? Yes, I have a few, but one that pops to mind and I actually have it on my desk and it feels like a little bit of a cop out, but it's a Simon quote, but it ties directly to what we've been talking about here, which is if you're a different person at work than you are at home, 
then in one of those two places, you're lying. The idea behind that is we should be who we are at our natural best everywhere that we are. And that includes being who we are at work and who we are at home. And we should not be two different people in both of those places. Excellent. Thank you. And how about a favorite book? I love, love, love. And again, call it a cop out if you want, but Leaders Eat Last, Simon's second book is so incredibly good. Like, I don't know what not to underline. So from a leadership book perspective, I think that is one of the most influential and impactful books that I have ever read. All right. Thank you. And how about a favorite tool, something that helps you be awesome at your job? Can I give you a habit? Oh, let's take it. Yeah. So a habit that I have is every time right before I get on stage to do a talk or a workshop or something, I remind myself that I'm there to give. And so I say to myself out loud, show up to give. And it puts me in the mindset of essentially I'm getting out on that stage. I'm putting my arms around all those people and I'm giving them the knowledge or the experience or the things that I've learned. And I'm not there to get paid. Of course, I do get paid, but that's not what's going on in my mind. I'm not thinking about, well, geez, I hope they like it. And so that they hire me again, or they can refer me to somebody else, or who am I going to meet here that can be influential in my career? I don't think about any of that stuff. I just put myself in the mindset of show up to give. And that is a habit that has served me very well and just keeps my head in the right place. Oh, thanks. And do you have a final challenge or call to action you'd issue to folks seeking to be awesome at their jobs? I think, again, ties into what we've been talking about here, but whether you go through the online course or the book or something completely different or nothing at all, at least think to yourself and consider why do you actually get out of bed every day? And if you really want to be awesome at your job, there's got to be passion. There's got to be drive. There's got to be love there. Human beings are not inspired to make a huge paycheck or to hit a number or a metric. Those are all motivating things. But like we said before, it's like that experience of taking the roller coaster. It's like, yeah, it was fun. That was awesome. And then it wears off. Knowing your why and living based on that and finding an organization where we can bring that to life brings lasting fulfillment. And that's something that we all deserve to have. Shouldn't be like, we shouldn't feel lucky that we love our jobs. It's just something that should be available to everybody. And so it simply just starts with considering why do we actually do this? And if we don't feel like what we're doing is a good fit, what changes do we need to make? Where might we be able to go that does feel a little bit better where we can bring our best selves to work every day? All right. Well, David, this has been a real treat. Thanks so much for sharing and questioning and getting some wheels turning both for myself and for everyone who's listening here. So I wish you tons of luck and keep on rocking. Thanks, Pete. You too. I really dug those questions David was asking. I think they're super helpful to zero in on the themes and the partner. It makes great sense that that makes the difference. So check it out. See what you discover. And I hope that you have some insightful why insights that lead you to find all the more fulfilling goodness in your current role or seek out if there needs to be a switch in the role. And again, if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we've referenced, that's on over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F235. And I hope you'll push subscribe so you can hear from our next guest. It's Anthony Sullivan, a.k.a. Sully. This is a guy who's done so many infomercials. And so we're going to learn a thing or two about what it takes to be persuasive as he has persuaded many people to buy many mops and other kinds of offerings. So I hope to catch you there and peace. 
Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.